um, very simple thought, very simple idea. Um, again, I, I was born and raised in southeast Missouri, so you're not going to get much more than very simple uh, from across this pulpit whenever I'm preaching. Um, but we're, we're going to look at First Chronicles chapter 29, verse 11, and then uh, flipping over to Romans chapter 13, verses 1 and 2. Uh, tonight, I want to preach on, for a little bit, God's majesty and man's resistance. God's majesty and man's resistance. First Chronicles 29 and 11 says, Thine, O Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the victory and the majesty. For all that is in the heaven and in the earth is thine. Thine is the kingdom, O Lord, and thou art exalted as head above all. Romans 13, uh, chapters 1, or verse 1 and 2, says, Let every soul be subject unto the higher powers. For there is no power but of God. The powers that be are ordained of God. Whosoever therefore resisteth the power resisteth the ordinance of God. And they that resist shall receive to themselves damnation. So we've got two scriptures here tonight. One that talks about the majesty of God, and one that talks about the resistance of man, God's majesty and man's resistance. So when, when studying this and, and, and as this thought came to me, and I, I'll tell you this wasn't a sermon that I put together for, for just this church tonight. It wasn't, it's not something new. It's something that I've preached before, but I remember the moment that this came to me and, and we were going through some things as a, as a youth pastor in, in Lebanon and um, I was thinking about how, how God is able to do just incredible works. How if we, will, if we will unleash God and untie his hands and just allow him to work through us, through our lives and, and in this world, the amazing, incredible things that God is able to create. When I think about the complexity and the majesty of the earth that we have been given to live in, I am, I'm perplexed by what it took to create this world and for it to sustain life. That God decided that everything around us and, and all of the things that we've seen and even the things that maybe we've just seen in pictures or online or, or in, in books, that, that he created all of this for us, for each and every one of us. It's amazing that as you research this earth that we live on and what it takes for this earth to sustain life, how incredibly lucky we are, if you will, and blessed that we are to have a place for us to be able to live. It's it said that this planet called Earth is a Goldilocks planet. And if you know anything of the story of Goldilocks, that that she found a place and one was a little, like a bed was a little too hard, the porridge was a little too hot, a little too cold, but then she found something that was just right. And that's what earth is. It's a Goldilocks planet where everything is just perfect, just perfect to sustain life while everything else around it is one degree or, or another to, to one direction or the other to not be able to sustain human life. Scientists can only explain that earth as being a razor's edge of exact precise circumstances that allows life to be able to live upon it. 
Now, I don't, I didn't go and 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 study all of these things out. I'm I'm not a scientist by any means. Um, I'm barely a preacher, and uh, but I uh, I I found some things online that I, I believe are were very. Uh, intriguing about this earth that we live on this this planet that God created this this place that God has has put for us to be able to survive on and to live on and to thrive on the odds for every condition necessary while while many scientists will say that that this earth exists by chance and all of these things happen by chance the odds for every condition necessary for life on earth to happen by chance are the same as if you were to take a quarter and you were to flip it and you wanted it to land on heads not ten times, not a hundred times, not even a million or a billion times, but ten quintillion times in a row. And I put that number up here so you can see exactly how big that is. That, that's more money than Donald Trump even thinks he has. All right, that's, that's a big number right there. Ten quintillion times you would have to flip a coin and it land on heads that many times in a row would be the same chance as for all of the conditions that it takes for us to live, on, live our life on earth to sustain life to happen by chance. If only the matter, the matters that, require, that it required to produce oxygen and nitrogen in the atmosphere were left to chance. The probability would be one in one million, and that's only for those two chemicals. The fact that that there are that there is life on Earth is only possible because of the hundreds of parameters that have been met and finely tuned to allow life on Earth. Tampering with these parameters just one fraction would mean that there would be no life on Earth. Life could not exist on earth without gravity and gravity depends on a gravitational constant and if this constant varied by just 1 in 10 to the 60th parts we would not have life on earth. To understand this my research found that if you took a dial and I just put a picture of a dial up here so just you can kind of get that, that image in your head of this dial and it's this huge dial that has a mark on it for every second that has occurred from the beginning of time until today. And then the hand on that dial lands just randomly on some mark on that dial. That would be what it would be like for us to have by chance that the gravitational constant would be in the exact place that it would need to be for us to be able to sustain life. That one mark to the left or one mark to the right and we would not have the ability to sustain life on earth. Somehow, somehow, some way, the precise location for that dial to fall was found. Hydrogen on earth must convert one seven thousandth of its mass to helium or else there's no life on earth. 0.006, no life. 0.008, no life. It must be 0.007 for us to have life. Our atmosphere is 21% oxygen. 23%, there's no life. 21% or 19%, no life. Our oceans are exactly 3.4% salt. The exact percent by chance of salt that is found in the human bloodstream. 
4%, no life. 2%, no life. Earth's, Earth's existence hinges upon hundreds and hundreds of dials being turned to a precise and exact location in order for us to sustain life. That if just one dial is moved by one fraction, all of the other dials in a row would be then altered and we would not be able to have life on earth. This earth's this earth tilts on its axis at 23 and a half degrees, just the precise degree needed to sustain life on earth. The degree in either direction would result in no life. 40% of this tilt is received by, uh, from the gravitational uh, pull of the sun, while the other 60% comes from the moon. If we have no sun, there is no life. If we have no moon, there is no life. If the massive gravity-rich planet like Jupiter had not been placed in the exact location that it is at to draw away asteroids, Earth today would not exist. Even the entire universe is pulling for the existence of life on Earth. Now, how did all of this happen? And these are just these are just a, a few things because I didn't want to. I could go all night listing out the hundreds of of parameters that it takes for us to have life on Earth. These are just a few of the things that it takes for us to have life here. How did this happen? How did did this this incredible creation take place? And I I want to present to you tonight how the universe was created, the secret behind the success of this life-sustaining earth. I want to answer a question tonight that has been asked for centuries and since the beginning of time. Here it is. The reason that we have all of these things working the way that they do and the reason that we have life on earth today is because when God spoke, the universe didn't say no. When God spoke for something to happen, the universe reacted and did as he said. There was no room for, for the stars to say, no, I will not go there. There was no room for planets to say, I will not tilt this direction. When God spoke, the universe did not say no. Science does not disprove the existence of God. There are many people that try to use science to say that God does not exist. But I'm, I'm one of those that believes in, I mean, if you, can, if you can take two substances and create another substance out of it and say that this actually happened and I can see it, I, there's no reason for me to argue with that. If you can take science and prove something, I'm not going to say science is fake. I believe that in many instances that we can use science to prove that God is real. That in many instances we can use science to say this is how God did this thing. The thing is that whenever it comes to humans, though, that, that, that we, have this, we have this tendency to be able to, to, to say no while the things in earth around us, whenever God speaks, they just release and say yes to him, to do whatever it is that God wants to do. I can see God standing in the nothing of the universe on the day of creation as he tells planets to put themselves into certain orbits in space and they bow down and they obey him. I can see God standing on the day of creation as he tells stars to find their place and to follow his decree and they find their place and they stand 
at attention. He tells mountains to rise and valleys to cast them, themselves down, down and they obey him. He tells the mighty sea that you will only come to this point and you will go no further and the sea adores him. He spends time hand sculpting his greatest of creations, man. He breathes life into man and he gives him authority over the earth and in return, life is, is breathed into man and, and he gives them the authority and in return, he asks man to follow after his law and his command and man says no. Creating ourselves a wasteland of sin and destruction where God intended for beauty and holiness. If we would open ourselves up to say yes to God, to His way, to His will, to the things that He has ordained for us to do, there is a majesty that God is able to create that we see in this earth that we live in that we could have in our lives each and every day if we would learn to say yes to God instead of saying no. You see, it's, it's in our nature to rebel. It's in our nature, nature to push away. We are born into sin. No one tells a child to lie and no one tells a child to hurt. But, there must, but the child must be trained to resist evil and to not resist the things of God. It is within our nature to want to say no to the things of God. Why, why is that? God was able to create the majesty of the universe because the universe did not resist him. But we find man coming up with destruction and pain and hurt and sin because of our resistance to the things of God. While our lives fall apart, we ask how did we get here? While our lives fall apart and things are going on around us, we say, God, how could you create such an awful place called earth? God creates majesties, but our resistance as man destroys it. Our resistance as man will destroy it. If we as people could learn the value of the words, yes, Lord, we would find our lives being made into a majesty of God's creation. A majesty of God's creation. This world and, and society is in a state of disrepair. And because our world has rejected the things of God, we have turned His majesty, His incredible creation that He created for us into a place sometimes of mess. God looks at humanity, his creation, and he says, follow me. And man says, no. He says, read my word. And we say, no. Teach your children, no. Be holy, no. Talk right, no. Look right, no. Think on these things, no. Be kind, no. Love, no. And then we look back at God and say, what is this place that you have created? And it is a direct result of the resistance of man to God's majesty. But what we say, but what we see 
in our lives today all around us is an attempt by God to create a design, to create and design a majestic place for his creation. But people resisting his plan will cause death and carnage. I want you to know that you will never go wrong following after the commands of God. That if you can find your place and find yourself studying this word, searching it out for yourself and searching out your own salvation and understanding the principles and the commands that are found within the word of God, that if you would read through there and you would see the things that God has laid out for us in this, in this playbook for life, that we would find ourselves finding a, 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 a place where God can create a majesty even in our own lives. But the moment that we open this book and we find a command that we don't like, and I've heard it said before, it's almost a cliche, but we treat the Bible like a bag of trail mix and we keep what we want and we throw out the rest. That, that attitude and, and that way of living is, is the resistance that will cause pain and heartache and sin and carnage within our lives. God creates majesties. How many of you have ever seen the, the, the cartoon of the little kid that says, uh, God, I'm, I'm not a mess because God don't make no mess or something like that? Do y'all, have y'all seen that before? And it's true that God creates majesties. It is our resistance to Him, our resistance to His Word, our resistance to the things of God that tears His majesty apart. We quote quite often Jeremiah 29 11, For I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for welfare and not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. God has great plans for each and every person that walks this earth, that is here tonight. But it is contingent upon us following the path that God has laid before us and for us to say, yes, Lord. There are many examples that we find in the Word of God throughout history of people who denied God, denied His plan, denied His way and found destruction in their life. From the beginning of time, we find Adam and Eve that it just came natural to them to rebel and resist the things of God. That He created a place for them to live forever in peace. But their resistance to His rule caused them to live with sin and to have work and pain for all the rest of life, for each and every one of us. Cain, the very next generation, follows this trend, not doing the plan of God, not following the plan of God, and ends in more death as Cain commits the first murder. Jonah resists God, and, and in a storm he finds himself in danger, along with many others because of his resistance to the, to the command of God. Lot's wife builds up a resistance to the things of God and, and in a moment she disobeys his command and looks back and is turned 
to a pillar of salt. Nadab and Abihu simply refused to obey the instruction for sacrifice. And, and, and those who had the hand of God upon their life and should ha- have had a, a path of ministry before them found themselves losing their life. King Saul, he can't follow the instruction of God or the prophet and it cost him his position as king of Israel and his life. First Chronicles 10 and 13 says, Saul died for his sin against the Lord because he did not keep the word of the Lord. His resistance to the things of God. Samson, another man with, his, with the hand of God upon him, having a vow to follow after the things of God, spent his life resisting the commands and God eventually turning over his, and, and then he, him tur- eventually turning over his last secret to a woman named Delilah, costing him his freedom, his sight, and eventually his life. Our human instinct is to believe that I know my best way. I, I know the best way for me to live. And, and we feel that we owe it to ourselves to have it all figured out. Elvis had a song said, I did it my way. And we see where that got him. Proverbs 16 and 25 says, There is a way that seems right unto a man, but the end is death. Proverbs 19 and 21, Many are the plans of the mind of a man, but is the purpose of the Lord that will stand. While Scripture is filled with those who decided to resist God and on the tomb of their life, to have resistance instead of majesty. The Bible tells us that there are some people that throughout time and and throughout the Old Testament and the New, they made a decision to resist the things of the world and to follow after the plan of God and to find a majesty in their life. In the Old Testament, we find Abraham who answered the call, who turned from the world, and left his home, his family, his comfort, went to a land that he had never seen before and never been to before because God said to go. He made himself available like the planets in the universe. God said, I want you to go here, Abram. And he went. He said, yes, sir. Because of him, a great nation was born. A people of God were established and we still call him Father Abraham to this day because he made up his mind that in a moment when God said to do something, I'm not going to resist, but I'm going to go and I'm going to do the work of the Lord. This pattern would continue into the New Testament. There's many we could talk about in the Old Testament, but this pattern continues into the New Testament where we find this man named John who was the forerunner of Christ. His path wasn't easy. And and at the end of his road, he even questioned the path that he walked on. Jesus said, you did good, John, because you listened, you acted, and you said yes, and you responded. The deaf hear, the blind see, And the lame walk. Thank you, John, for saying yes. For doing what God had called you to do. Simon Peter and Andrew are sitting on their boat fishing when Jesus said, come 
And the Bible says that straightway they joined him. They answered. They said yes. And we find miracles. We find signs and wonders that happen through these apostles. Because one day they decided, I'm not going to resist the things of God. But when he calls, I will say yes. And I will go. He was putting into play something He was putting something into play, but he needed some people to say yes. Paul, who was previously known as Saul, was going around killing Christians when God strikes him down one day. He gets his attention and he says, follow me. Knowing firsthand the persecution that would come, Paul follows after Christ. Paul says yes. And then we find all of the great works that are born. The first church born out of the works of Paul. Because one person, because he decides to say yes to the things of God, a majesty is created. The New Testament has many different people that we could go on all night showing of those who have followed and those who refused. And we could go through each and every one of the stories showing the life and the destruction that comes by those who refuse and the majesty that is created by those who follow after the things of God, who simply say yes. Tonight we aren't rejoicing in the downfall of those who resist, but I want you to see that God is preparing something And he needs some people in O'Fallon. He needs some people at the lighthouse to say yes. He needs some people to stop resisting the things of God. To stop resisting his word and his commands. And to just simply say yes. God, where you want me to go, I will follow. What you want me to do, I will do. Lord, I'm willing to say yes. Tonight I'm coming to a close, if you'll stand with me. I believe that in this end time, in this day and age that we live in today, in this place that we have found ourselves, that God is looking at this generation. He is looking at a group of people and He is saying, be holy, be different, stand out, read my word. Follow its commands. Be kind. Love one another. He's saying things like make disciples, reach the lost, teach the Bible study, talk to your neighbor. Do the things that I've called you to do. Pastor stood up here and poured out his heart on Sunday evening, reaching for those that he loves the most. And this whole time, God is trying to do a wonderful work. He's using the man of God. He's using the ministry team of this church. But he's looking for some people that will say, I will not resist you, Lord. I will not resist your work. I will not resist what you are doing. But I will say yes. He's looking for someone willing to say, yes, Lord. I will talk to that neighbor you've had me troubled about I will make that phone call to the person that I haven't seen in church in quite a while. 
I'll, I'll, I'll talk to the person that I work with right next to that I know is not living right. Deep down inside wants, wants to know what it is that keeps me going. Lord, whenever you give me that unction in the middle of the day to open my word and to see what it has to say to me, I will do it. Lord, whenever I'm, I'm at home and, and I'm about to turn on the TV and, and all of a sudden I get this feeling, maybe I should kneel in prayer instead. Lord, I'll answer and say yes. Whenever I know that I should love, whenever I want to be mean at times, when I should be kind instead of hurtful, Lord, I will not resist you. I will not resist your word. I will not resist your unction in the spirit. Lord, I will say yes. Because what it is, is that God is trying to create a majesty. A majesty within this end time church. Right here at O'Fallon, right here at the lighthouse in the greater St. Charles and, 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 and Warren County and Lincoln County area. God is trying to do a majestic work. And we won't find it by our own way. And we won't find it by resistance to the things of God. But by opening up ourselves and saying, God, I will say yes. I will say yes to whatever it is that you want me to do. Wherever it is that you want me to go. Whatever it is that you would have me to do. God, I will say yes. And the end result that we find will be a majesty for a life that could only be orchestrated by God himself. We should have a resistance that we have, but it should be to the things of this world. And to the things of God, we should open ourselves up and we should say, God, I'm willing. God, I'm not just able, but I'm willing. And I want to do the majestic work that you have called me to do in this end time church. I want this, this praise team to sing for just a moment. And I, I'm, I'm not going to call you to the front, but I want us to find a place of prayer just for a moment. Just where you're standing. Why don't you lift your hands and say, God, whatever it is that you would have me to do, wherever it is you would have me to go, whoever it is you would have me to talk to, however much time you would ask for me to devote to your word.